Do we do cold opens anymore? We do. We okay. Just, we just don't. Um, we don't force them. I was telling Peter about how we first met, and just thinking about how that has grown since this moment in time. Yeah. Where we met on the first day of high school. Yeah. And you did not have a pencil. Correct. My guy shows up first day of high school, completely unprepared for the journey ahead. <laughs> that is correct. Turns around, I'm sitting behind you. You ask to borrow a pencil. I hand one off to you, and you instantly say, that "Peter looked at me today when I told him. He's like, that's that's insane that he said that. He goes, we're gonna be best friends. <laughs> we're gonna go to college together, and we're just gonna be best friends for life." And Peter's like, "No way, he said that." Like, I, 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 you I didn't even know I said that. <laughs> that is what was said. Really. And if you think about it, best friends throughout high school. We went to college together. You you asked me the other day. You called me. Yeah. You're like Nick. How how did we become friends? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And you were trying to explain to Krista, and I was like, well, we were friends in high school, the pencil thing, and then in college, we just really solidified this together. When I was like, I want to make a movie, and you were like, let's write one. So we wrote. We wrote the treatment for the killer in the house, and you completely forgot about this because we started with the idea that uh, these these bullies were gonna <laughs> we're gonna bully somebody by shitting on comic <laughs> books. You know what it was? It's like I think somebody told me in college, uh, like just take a shit on his dreams, why don't you? Right? <laughs> and I just felt like as a kid. You know, what better way to bully someone than literally shit, like, comics what you dream about being. Like, literally take a shit on their gun. And that's how you do a cold open. <laughs> that's how you do a cold open. Sound, speeding, camera, rolling scene 26. Take 303, mark. Welcome to Take 303, powered by 4-Way Media, the podcast with a guy who knows a lot about film. And his friend. I'm Nick Molinari. I'm J.P. Brooks. Today we're talking film and television, and today we are talking about Blue Beetle and the Green Hornet. And yeah, you came up with the pairings for this week because when I said Blue Beetle, you instantly said... Green Hornet. Different color and different insect. Call it a day. How do you not pair them together? Before we get to any of that, uh, very quickly, let's just talk about things that are going on in cinematic news right now. Cinematic news. So there was an announcement about Wonder Woman 3 coming out. Don't care. Uh, Gal Gadot said that uh, Patty Jenkins will not be involved. But it's still happening. And then DC released the thing that said that's actually false. And there will be no Wonder Woman 3. Oh, good. Okay, glad. Excellent. We don't have to, I don't have to watch. Because I'm done with superhero movies at this point. I'm so sick. Especially after Blue. Well, hmm. we'll see what happens. Yeah. So uh, I might as well get this out of the way. The second thing in cinematic news also involves superheroes. Uh, yeah. And it's about Suicide Squad. I'm interested. Okay. He perked up. There's a director's cut that okay. exists. Jared Leto talked about this a few times, saying that a lot of his scenes were cut. The director's cut is on its way. How do you feel about that? Can I ask you this? What was everyone's problem with Jared Leto's Joker? I think that it was just like out of, out of pocket, out of nowhere, too dialed up. I liked it. I'm going to agree with you here. Okay. Yeah. I didn't like the overall performance, mm-hmm. but I liked the general. He looks scary. Yeah. Like, the close-up of that, that kind of dentist scene, mm-hmm. when he's, like, uh, going against the mobster also, it was a scary scene. If they gave him, like, a Joaquin Phoenix kind of situation, 
maybe we could have actually gotten something from Jared Leto's, Leto's Joker. And we grew up with the animated stuff. It felt like an animated character literally put into live action. And that to me is like, no, that's how the Joker acts. He's over the top. He's dialed up and he's ridiculous. So I kind of like that. I'm not saying it was great. Like performance wise, clearly, you know, we can see that it's a performance not good and it was obvious. But to me, the Joker has always been over the top. So it makes sense. The Justice League sucked as a movie. I heard. And the Zack Snyder version. And was it good? It was amazing. Again, because it was four hours included footage that wasn't in the original. Right. Uh, one of which was a scene that involved the Joker jared leto's and he actually fit into that universe so that's why i'm saying i'm agreeing with you that it actually could work so i'm excited to hear about this director's cut for you comic book fans out there just in case you know green hornet not dc or marvel 2011's the green hornet is directed by michelle gondry uh it stars seth rogan jay chow Cameron Diaz, Christoph Waltz, David Harbour, and Tom Wilkinson. The Green Hornet follows Brit, a.k.a. Seth Rogen, who, after his father dies, becomes in charge of the journal his father owned, the Daily Sentinel. When he teams up with one of the former employees who made his coffee every morning, they decide to decapitate the statue of his father and, after that, end up doing a good thing. So they decide maybe to be some heroes and that's what this movie is about not only did you get a lot of specific details you were very vague about everything else <laughs> yeah it's also based off the 1960s show did you did you watch that no it came out right around the same time as batman and robin i know this movie gets a lot of flack but i always find myself laughing throughout it yeah it's a funny movie it's it's seth rogan who writes it right so you know there's going to be comedy in it and it wasn't a very serious take. It's a drastically different tone than the actual series. Yeah, I don't remember hating this movie when I first watched it. I just remember it being very forgettable. It's a movie that is, you know, heavy dialogue, lots of jokes. And I think the beginning of this movie is excellent. I loved the first 45 minutes of this movie. I thought they did a great job with it. I was laughing. I was enjoying. I was genuinely interested in what was happening. And I love the dynamic between Seth and uh his butler forgettable is definitely the word to describe this and what you're saying was my exact thoughts when re-watching it this morning i was very low on time and i knew that i could do all of my tasks for the day while watching the green hornet because this is what eddie refers to as a white noise film where you can just have it on in the background you can literally leave the room to go grab something from your bag downstairs you don't even need to know what what you missed everything's just fine this is the doctor office movie that's playing in the background constantly yes. yeah this it, is the sunday tbs or tnt kind of movie that you put on the commercials end up cutting out some of the runtime and it doesn't really bother you 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 get the idea you and your grandfather quietly watch this movie yeah it totally what it is. I we could just go into co metaphors about what this movie is, <laughs> where to watch it and when. Yeah, this is the kind of movie that uh, you know, had so much promise. I, I I agree with that. In the first forty five minutes, it was a really strong opening, but I think the fact that it takes like Cameron Diaz, I think thirty five minutes to enter the film. This movie just needs to be shorter. And yeah, it, it's a superhero movie without superpowers. It it's got kick ass vibes, dare I say regular people trying to do the right thing but it the comedy doesn't last throughout because it is a seth rogan comedy and this is going to be me shitting on seth rogan when he's in his own movies you just get sick of him so 
fast. The scene when he's decapitating the statue, where they're just like sneaking around. He's like, "Ooh, you know, the, the yeah. voice just it, it just takes you out of it." Yeah, but, but Seth Rogen written films where he's not in it, I are generally better. The action scenes were actually really nice. Very nice. Yeah, I love the special effects on it. it. It didn't feel very 2011 at all. Yeah, it comes to a grinding halt. But then right after that, right when Cameron Diaz kind of enters at the 35 minute mark. Um, it starts slowing down. They do so much so fast, they disturb the turf. It should have just been, let's go deal with the villain now and cause problems and do all that. You can still have the reveal. You just don't need Cameron Diaz at all in this movie. She's just in it. But that's the problem I think this movie also has to talk about pacing. Is it a superhero movie or is it a son trying to deal with his father? Because they both seem to be fighting for the spotlight. You can have one and have that undertone in the back, but it just seems newspaper company, superhero by night. Which one do you want to be? And I think the problem is tone. Yeah. The original was not a comedy. So to make this a comedy and to make it into a superhero film, and if you think 2011, this is coming out right, right before Avengers. We have a certain idea of what superhero movies are, but if they actually played to what the Green Hornet was... And it made it, uh, you know, a, a dark noir. Yeah, maybe that could have that could have played better. I liked Christopher Waltz in this movie, but I like him in everything he does. But I hear a lot of people don't like him in this movie, and I don't get why. He has a double-barreled gun. It's a double. He has two guns. It's a cool gun. It's a really cool gun. He's coming off hot off of Inglorious Bastards at the time. Yeah, and to think like he takes he goes from that to this. That's a bold move, Cotton. I don't mind it. I love it. I also love James Franco's opening. One of the best openings ever. I'm crystal clear. Armani, Gucci, another Armani. (laughs) The Dictator movie, the interview, right? Is that what it's called? The whole Mm -hmm. opening scene with Eminem is just... James Franco opens up so well for movies. That guy is so good. Uh, I even... Dare I say I didn't like the introduction with the kid in the background. I felt like they didn't dial into that enough. I feel like an easy way to do that, you keep that scene, but I wanted to see more superhero stuff in Seth Rogen's character, like his room and just the way he acts. Like, really dial in, he loves superheroes, and so this seems obvious. They don't know what the character wants, because if you think about it, um, what does Brit want? What is his, his desire in the film? To be cool and famous. Yeah, see, that's not a, a good desire. It's... Yeah. Usually um, when you're writing characters, there's a want and a need. They want something, but they need something. So if this was like a well-written like Oscar kind of film, we could argue that Brit's character maybe wants to be a hero, but his need is to be accepted by his father. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the thing I'm writing. JP is writing a novel right now. Yeah, working on it. Wants to be a hero, needs his best friend to die. That's, that's the, yeah, that's, yeah, kind of a funny need. Well, actually, I think in the context of what you're writing, that's, it's flip. He wants his best friend to die. Yeah. But he needs something else. Yeah. Well, he needs a few. That's where it, it's interesting. It's, yeah. He, he is not even sure what he wants or needs. I think that's the fun part. But stay yeah. tuned and maybe you'll hear more about maybe it. Maybe hear more about it. I keep talking about this book to everybody. Anyway. Uh, what is your favorite scene in the film? I like when they drive into the meth lab's house and they just have like a very casual and he gives them the card, like call us. Yeah, that's a good scene. But yeah, honestly, the best scene in the film, dare I say, is the opening scene with James Franco. I think mine is probably like the first uh, fight sequence with Kato. Yeah. 
I think all those scenes were just done really well. The pullback with the double image of the cars, mm-hmm. yeah. Final thoughts and ratings? Final thoughts and ratings. So th- yeah, we've done the problems. We've done, yeah. As we said, uh, we kind of went around in circles. Very passable film. White noise film. I have problems with it, but I also enjoy it at the same time. It's not something that I'll go out of my way to watch. But if it's on, I'll watch it. Probably more so the beginning than the end. If it was average enough, I would give it a three. But I'm going to give it a two. Yeah, I think the the right answers are two or three, objectively. So here's what I'll say about it. It's a forgettable film. I already said it again because at some point you just want the movie to end. You want the action to happen. And there's a big dull and lull in it. But I think it is one of those films that you're not unhappy that it's on TV. But you're not necessarily thrilled. You're like, oh, Green Hornet. Yeah, that's a movie. I am going to give it a three, though, just because I really think the beginning is so good. The first 45 minutes is the perfect template to write a superhero movie, and I wish there could have been more. Prequel with Crystal Clear. If we had a prequel for Crystal Clear, sign me up up there. All right, so after the break, we will talk about its counterpart, Green Hornet, Blue Beetle. This episode is sponsored by... Rodney's raccoons, rodents, roaches, and rapscallions. That's right. Maybe you know someone who pissed you off. Maybe they missed your birthday. Maybe they forgot to tell you how much they love you. While those people aren't at home, they send in their experts and release rodents, roaches, raccoons, and rapscallions all along their kitchen, guaranteed to give them a headache. There is nothing worse than coming home and fighting critters that you did not want to be there, so why not give that experience to somebody else? You can call Rodney's up. They will come catch your own rodents and roaches if you have any and release it. It's a business that never dies because it's a business that keeps passing on problems to other people. So you might be asking who founded this? That's right. In 1993, Rodney Rapscallion himself took what he loved, which is pissing other people off, and brought rodents, raccoons, and everything else you can imagine into neighborhoods unsuspecting. Prices gone up, drove people away, and most of all, exterminators were booming. Are you tired of neighborhoods gentrifying? Rodney's got you covered. He'll bring you rapscallions and rodents to chew up right through the floorboard. Make sure you call today 1-800-RODNEYS, raccoons, rodents, roaches, and rapscallions. That's right. You can reach this wonderful company with just a simple 37-digit phone number call. That's right. That number, again, is 1-800-RODNEYS, RACCOONS, rodent, ROACHES, AND RAPSCALLIONS. If you need to write that down, don't worry. It's so easy. You'll just remember the easy 37-digit phone number. Say it out loud. Say it again. 1-800-RODNEYS, RACCOONS, RODENTS, ROACHES, AND RAPSCALLIONS. Call today and be the rat in somebody else's life. This episode is powered and sponsored by Fort Way Media. Whether it's a special event, your wedding day, or maybe a small business looking to make an advertisement or commercial, Fort Way Media is the obvious choice. They turn everyday life into a cinematic experience. When you want to capture those special moments, look no further. Stop what you're doing. Check out fortwaymedia.com. Book an appointment today and don't miss out on another chance to get what you want in front of the big screen. Whether it is expert videography or photography, Fortway Media can match exactly what you're looking for. Fortway Media is known for helping out small businesses and everyone reach their dreams. Sign up today. And we're back and we're I know we're dying to talk about Blue Beetle. I know JP is we need to get we need to get to this movie stat. But before we get to that, we have one quick new addition to the podcast. I recently read this book called Cinema Speculation, and it posed a question that if you know different casting choices or different director choices were made for different films, how would it affect that film? Maybe even the history around it. What if 
Spider-Man Across Spider-Verse had an ending? What a question. And he just drops it. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, just put that in. So uh, the first one is probably one of my favorite what-ifs. Okay. And I know you love the Matrix. I do. What if Keanu Reeves was not Neo because he wasn't the original pick and he wasn't the original actor in line for it? Uh, did you know who was? No. Will Smith. <coughs> I just threw up a little bit in my mouth. <laughs> and he actually, uh, Will Smith was offered the role and he turned it down. Do you know what he turned it down for? Fresh Prince. No. He was really hyped about doing uh, the Wild Wild West. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you told me that, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What an idiot. What an idiot. <laughs> what a moron. Oh, look, Mom, I'm dead. <laughs> if Will Smith dropped the, the Wild Wild West. Get Trinity's name out of your mouth. So the whole Matrix <laughs> yeah. is not about I know Kung Fu. It's yeah. about I know how to slap people. When Morpheus takes him into the Matrix for the first time and he like he can jump and he looks at the building and goes, nah. <laughs> you want me to jump from here to there? Nah. Keanu Reeves just brings this humbleness to Neo. Men in Black. I just imagine Men in Black when he's like first introduced. He goes, you got this alien over here doing this, this alien here doing that. And you got this little girl chilling in the middle. I can just imagine. I can't imagine him as a computer programmer if will smith is in the matrix and playing neo does morpheus have to change also you can't change morpheus it's not happening i have heard this conversation being talked about because it's a very interesting topic would the matrix have sold enough tickets or done well at the box office if two uh black actors were at the helm of the matrix does that change anything see man that's just reducing like the matrix to race and it's like dude the matrix is so much bigger than neo even the character the matrix is bigger than neo himself the matrix is bigger than fishborn right that's yeah lawrence fishborn it's bigger than all of them so it's just to me to come out and say ah oh, what if it had two black actors like the problem is i've already seen the film yeah this is the conversation that's happening with every movie that's coming out if you think of stuff like The Little Mermaid, if you think about the new Snow White that's coming out, yeah. there's so many conversations about race, about um, characters portraying... Did you hear about the Leonard, Leonard Bernstein situation? I don't know who that is. Uh, he's a big uh, music guy in film, and there's a movie that's coming out about him, uh, and Bradley Cooper is playing him. It's a biopic about him, but Bradley Cooper doesn't look like the guy, so he had a prosthetic nose which elongated his nose. And a bunch of people online started complaining that it was anti-Semitic. They were saying, like, Jews. Well, did he have it. a big nose? Yeah. So what's the... He had a big fucking... Yo, this shit's got to stop. So so here, here's how it goes down. Yeah. The people that are complaining said, quote, that they gave him a big nose because they're making fun of Jewish people saying that the stereotype is that they have big noses. And then Leonard Bernstein's family came out and said, guys, uh, Bradley has talked to, with us through every single thing that has happened in the process of making this movie. We've okayed every single thing, including the nose. They go, our father had a huge nose. <laughs> yeah. And that is nothing about Jewish people. And they, they turned it around. They said to the people that are getting offended, I think you guys are perpetuating the stereotype. I'm not just cultured enough to understand things. It's just, it's the Matrix. Like, who gives a fuck? It's awesome. Who gives a fuck? Like, it's like, oh, well, what if, what if Trinity 
What if she was Asian? Would that develop the plot a little? Like, no, it wouldn't. Like, you know, unless. Gotta cut that. <laughs> it literally eliminates race. Anybody can be the one. Ah, oh, what a stupid question. I think that's. I think it's whoever asked that question. I think you're. I think you're an actual moron. Speaking of actual morons, <laughs> moving on to 2023's <laughs> Blue Beetle, uh, Angel Manuel Soto's Blue Beetle, starring George Lopez, but it also has Solo Maraduena, uh, Adriana Barraza, Damian Alcazar, and Susan Sarandon. Blue Beetle is about an uncle and his mother, his grandmother for the family who welcome their son as he returns from college. They're struggling with finances when their son, when the grandson comes home, and nephew, comes home with a mysterious piece of technology, and the piece of technology inserts, and I quote, up his ass and transforms him forever. Now they must help him as he gets captured by the evil company that wants to make more of him, and they go and rescue him. And that is what Blue Beetle is about. It's about George Lopez, a.k.a. Rudy, and the grandma, Nana. They are the stars of this movie. I know that's your initial take, so I don't have to ask you. <laughs> um, mine was just that we were talking so much about passable films. This is a passable film. Yeah. This is a white noise film that I could put on in the background. Green Hornet is passable, meaning it gets the okay. It's passable. This movie passes. This, for me, Blue Beetle is a Passover We'll go Jewish. Pass over this movie. Don't watch it. It is dog shit. But speaking about passable, the main actor, I have some gripes with him. Because the thing is, I I loved him in Cobra Kai. Very good. But I think the reason I loved him in Cobra Kai was that he was surrounded by better actors. Also better dialogue. Yes. Yeah. So I think the writing was sharper. I think it catered to his, uh, his skill set. But I also think at the same time... There, there was, like, good chemistry between the actors where they were able to elevate each other. And I think that's why I like him in the show. I did not like him in this movie. Oh. Where I feel like, again, as you said, he is not technically the main character. He doesn't feel like it. I don't care about him. Do you? Not really. What's his motivation? So, in the beginning, it's about getting money, but then he never makes the money. Yeah. And... It, again like it's they solve his problems at the end but he doesn't technically solve the problem and everything kind of just falls into his lap it's the thing where things happen to him similar to akira where he just gets a suit things happen to him and we don't really care about him but we care about the maybe the events that are happening but not him but this one i would say doesn't even have events that are happening what a bad movie there were two openings were there not yeah okay continue sorry so from the first opening <laughs> yeah. we already know susan sarandon is a bad person we don't hide it at all complete exposition you know i've been searching for this for, for my 14. entire for my 14 year career it means so much to me tell your boys to work harder by the way i think i delivered it in the same tone when when the kid finds out that the girl is the niece shouldn't that be the the same time we find out too like, it just feels like we could travel in that POV and not be spoon-fed and force-fed every single piece of exposition. I was just waiting at any point for Dominic Toretto to show up. <laughs> just at any point. It was a family movie. And the thing is, I know you. we had very different theater experiences also. Uh, mine was, I was surrounded by a lot of Hispanic families. And they loved this movie. The guy we interviewed 
I think was probably in that bunch. He was, he immediately, before we even asked him, he was like 10 out of 10. Yeah, definitely. If you speak Spanish, this is a great movie for you. Probably there's a lot of things said in Spanish where they don't give subtitles, which is totally fine. Don't have a problem with that. And I think that's even great. I like that they're catering to a specific audience that will understand it. It's part of the culture. Great. I'm glad they enjoyed it. Um, I don't think it took anything away from me, nor I think it doesn't take away from anyone, period. But uh, yeah, you probably got more out of it. But I think objectively, even with the crowd I had, which again, a good number of Hispanic families, people were still annoyed with like, what a bad movie. Like uh, I think yeah. you said that uh, people were just talking yeah. at one point. The last 20 minutes of the movie, one guy goes, just fucking kiss her already. Holy shit. And even I go, I, I joined them. Like I was like, Oh, can't kiss on the lawn. Got to walk 10 feet and kiss over here. Like, are you going to kiss or not? Just kiss. Like, why do we have to walk? Oh, all right. Well, what should we do here? I don't know. Huh, let's walk over here. Oh, what do we do here? Okay, let's kiss. <laughs> so stupid. And they make out for a while. It was a, it was a little too long, that kiss scene. Should have been the one peck Disney rule. When his clothes burn off every time he goes into the suit. Which is funny, which is which part is, of the which comic. Which is funny, which is, you know, yeah. I, I, I like that. Mm -hmm. What I didn't like is when he was in the back seat. And he's obviously naked and everything. But then he decides to just put on a tank top and call it a day. Yeah, that was so good. <laughs> he forgets that he's Winnie the Poohing right now. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. Good reference, Winnie the Pooh. Do you have anything good about this movie? And I have a couple good things to say about it. One sense, I enjoy that we're getting a new character. Yes. Yeah. It's a character that hasn't been on the screen three or four times. Yeah. Um, but I do like that they went with this route. I feel I'm getting Miles Morales vibes. Yes, I just picture this. So, Blue Beetle, from what I understand and what it's supposed to be, Blue Beetle is supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be DC's Deadpool. That's what I've always been told about it. I could be wrong about that. But it's supposed to be heavy on the jokes, almost making fun of the Batman character. It's it's a it's a joke. It's poking fun at superhero characters. That's who Blue Beetle is. Yeah, I got I actually did get Deadpool vibes. I got Shazam vibes. I got The Last American Hero. I don't know if uh, you got to check that out. Yes. I got those kind of vibes. Because it, it's the same kind of trope of, like, the character that's trying to learn how to be a superhero uh, and being meta about that. George Lopez and the grandmother's character are the only two good things about this movie. The sister is annoying. Oh, my gosh. Oh, shut up. The mother... Just doesn't matter. Yeah. And then... The father, it's very stereotypical of what's going to happen. Like yeah. You saw that from a mile away. Yeah. Like, I, I literally, as soon as they're having the conversation, this heart to heart, I go, Krista, you know he's going to die, right? <laughs> she goes, that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> I did like the character who uh, plays the evil Blue Beetle. Yeah. He was pretty good. I like him as a character. I don't like Susan Sarandon. She deserves a Razzie. Uh, you told me what a Razzie is. This is, ra this is like top nominee for razzie and what's uh what's the highlights for you i was done with the movie about 35 minutes in i kept asking when is the movie going to start because it even has a slow beginning um, with two openings and the love interest seems forced love interest is definitely forced uh, i do not believe these two for a second not only that i think something that you pointed out because now i'm just going to negatives because i have nothing positive because a positive thing that i liked is this focus on family like, what a nice, really, even though we joke and say family all the time, Dominic Toretto, this one had the potential to feel more believable. A family who's struggling, can't keep the house, this, that, the other thing. Because it's like Spider-Man, but with a full house. Kind yeah, Spider-Man with a full house. Because at the end, they kind of bring it up again, like, hey, what are we going to do? Our house is gone. 
and then like the community comes and i i don't i don't want to shit on the community but i'm like they're having a barbecue nothing's changed <laughs> like i don't know nick i don't know about you but if your house burns down and you have a barbecue your house is still burned down i didn't see anybody with wood <laughs> hammers it seems like just an insult too your house burned down let's bring more fire let's <laughs> light a fire but they got the fast formula there. They were yeah. like, we end on a barbecue. Why does George Lopez's thingy-majiggy? The okay. EMP that blocked out the screens of just the security cameras. I don't know how they targeted specific that. But then when they walk into the main hallway of the building, the, ca- the screens work fine there. In fact, we get to see whatever Susan Sarandon's character on the screen playing a video. Hello? There are things there just to solve problems. There's no organic way to introduce these things. Even like the the suits, the be- the Blue Beetles suits, the, the gear that they give them. Why did they give them that? For grandmother, it was more for the joke, but for the sister, Bailey works. Also, did she get shot and just walk that off like a champ? I believe so, yeah. Similar to Green Hornet, it's a good pick on your part. It lacks focus. Or there's not enough motivation. And the dialogue is legitimately atrocious. Some of the worst dialogue we have heard all year. We don't know why things are going the way they're going or why characters are doing things. This has all of that plus. Because then you oh. would have had like Rose Byrne saying like, we got a divorce like a few years ago because I couldn't stand him. Yeah. With his uh, hypno- hypnotic trance, you know, yeah. like that kind of thing. Like they just spell out every single thing. They don't let you discover anything. You learn the relationship between Susan Saran, the main bad person, and her niece, all within two lines, the whole monologue she gives. You don't appreciate anything, and your father was an awful man. That's why I got this company. And he abandoned you, and he doesn't love you, and that's why we don't get along. Literally, that, that's like word for word almost what comes out of her mouth. The scene where he goes up to the receptionist, oh, so and brutal. she is just so... They, they dialed her up to be racist before she can even be racist. Like, she name-calls him Jamie. And honestly, when I first heard his name, I had no idea how to spell it. I'll be honest. Yeah. It's not a common name that I hear all the time. Uh, but I think if I was the receptionist, my first thing would have been asked, oh, how do you spell that? Instead of telling him how she thinks... It's spelled with a completely different pronunciation. I'm like, how did you even get the information to figure that out? There was one that was subtle when Susan Sarandon attacks the family house. All of her kind of like army gets out of the trucks and they start into the house and they they pull them out and everything. It was giving ice vibes. Yeah. But because that scene was shot so well and just played out so well, I think that was the best scene in the film. I just saw a comment that said Blue Beetle was so good. This cast was amazing. I'm not sure we watched the same film. I I can't imagine why people are loving this fucking movie. And sorry for the expletive. That's what you're sorry for? Yeah. After everything you said today? <laughs> why did they spend like a whole scene coming up with a secret plan on how to break into the lair and then just take a giant bug ship and blow everything up at the loudest possible decibel? Yeah, and there's no like make a... Yeah, one team makes a diversion. There is no diversion. It's just... They yeah. were all there. And then the next scene, it cuts to them slowly creeping in through the zip line into the cave. It's like everyone knows you're there. Yeah. So it just, it's again, a lot of ideas, none of them are making sense, 
they don't really have stakes and then also at the same time they don't follow the rules they set up in their own universe um i'm gonna watch some reviews afterwards i want to see what people are getting at um i thought rotten tomatoes was just hiding the score for the audience because it was that bad but they see it had 91 percent. i just it's drop i hope it does because that is some bullshit there is no way that that is a disgrace to every movie. It's like when you ask me, so would you watch Oppenheimer or Barbie when I gave it a three of like Barbie? Uh, but to get on to the yeah, idea, to bring it back. Yeah, I think we could just go to final thoughts and ratings. Yeah. Blue Beetle is a movie. It happened. It wasn't a good time. It was not a f- there were some fun moments, but for the most part, it was a pain to get through. It was annoying. Bad dialogue. Extremely predictable. Didn't care for any of the characters. And even the theater, we were all just roasting this movie the last 20 minutes, just yelling and taunting. And everybody was laughing. Nobody turned around. Like, we people were clapping at some of the things people were saying. That just shows, like, nobody liked this movie. I can't believe the scores that are coming out. I'm going to be very harsh on this movie. I think it. there's a lot of factors here. I'm sick of superhero movies and because it's been done so well before and there's just like this bar I set that's like passable redeem like you minimum when a superhero movie just hits so below that mark it just infuriates me to no end like how do you mess this up great side characters two of them that are doing so much if you could just get the chemistry of your main character to match that so much potential down the freaking drain one out of five Put it down with Insidious. Those two are fighting for the worst movie of the year right now. That's my review. Fuck you, Blue Beetle. And I'm going to be a little bit nicer, but not not too nice. Not too nice. Again, I think this is a very passable movie. I think the movie movies, it definitely knows what it is, but that might be a bad thing because it is too self-aware. It just tries to do everything and then achieves none of that. It's fun at times, but overall, it does seem to drag. What I think it was, I think dialogue is really, again, what's going to kill this movie. It's just so bad. So much exposition. If the writing was better, I could see giving it a three. But because of that writing, I'm going to give it a two. I'll be honest, if you went three, I actually genuinely would have been mad. Just walk off. I would just be like, all right, that's it. Never recording again. This has been an episode of Take 303. Thanks so much for watching, despite the salt. Uh, If you're interested, make sure you follow us on Spotify. Leave a review and rating. We genuinely appreciate it. Check us out at Fortway underscore media. We always try to review, uh, try to interview people at all of all these movies. So you can check out. We have a couple of Blue Beetle interviews coming out soon. This week's question of the week is, what is your least favorite superhero? Who is it? Why do you not like them? And this week's poll question will be, since we were talking so much about superhero movies, what is your favorite superhero movie this year? We're going to have a bunch of them. Guardians of the Galaxy, I imagine, is going to be on there. In next week's episode, to catch up since I've been gone, we're actually doing two films that have come out in the theaters together rather than pairing old ones. We are doing Gran Turismo and Talk to Me. Make sure you check us out on Instagram, see what's got going on. And this has been an episode. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.